Thank you, Brad. Thank you, guys. Just, uh, man, appreciate our board very much. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, yeah, it is a, a special day. Oh, uh, yeah, it's good for now. I'll just get it over here. I'll sit on in a minute. Thank you, Pastor Almeida. Good job today. Glad to have her back. Glad to have her back. Yeah, it's awesome. <clears throat> well, I wrote in my notes, it's a beautiful wintry Sunday. It actually feels a little bit more like fall outside right now. We, we skipped fall, and I went back. Um, so excited about uh, Christmas Sunday next weekend. I, I talked about the kids' songs. A little birdie told me we also have a skit bitten by, bitten by, written by the wonderful and talented Pastor Murr. It's going to be incredible. So if you've never seen one of Pastor Murr's skits, uh, you are not going to want to miss it. Uh, and uh, we'll do Christmas worship. Um, it's so awesome to hear you sing uh, Glory to God in the Highest. It's a blessing, but we'll sing that together. So uh, a little schedule note we haven't touched on quite yet. Uh, as far as Wednesdays go, we're going to have church at the regular times uh, these next two Wednesdays. So uh, let's see here. I wrote it down. Uh, the 14th and the 21st. Uh, we'll be here at 7 o'clock like usual, but Wednesday the 28th, between Christmas and New Year's, we will not be here. So uh, take that time, hang out with your family, play some games, whatever it is you're going to do. But we will not be here on the 28th, and then we'll be back at it the first Wednesday in January. Uh, New Year's Day, we'll have church at the regular times. So we are going to have church, even though all of you are probably just going to stay up all night and do wild shenanigans on Saturday night, probably. Um, We'll be here regular times, except during Sunday school hour, we're going to have uh, juice, coffee, donuts, muffins together, all that in the kids' room. So uh, that morning, after you play Settlers of Catan until 11.59 p.m. and 59 seconds, and then you go to bed, come here in the morning at 9.30, we will have coffee, juice, donuts, all that good stuff, and we'll just fellowship together up till church starts at 10.30. Now, regular service at 10.30, it's going to be awesome. I uh, just want to let you know about that. Like we've been saying, special day here at Engage Boise as we're welcoming our new youth, our young adult pastors, Pastor Chase and Hannah Forey. Uh, so excited about it. You're going to get a chance to hear from Pastor Chase here in a second. Uh, but I want to set it up uh, for you, just what we're talking about today. I set the next few minutes up for you as far as my heart goes and Shonda's heart goes. Uh, she's actually in here today. I didn't expect you to be in here. She's always helping with kids, but here she is. More pressure on me. Um, reason I want to do this quickly is because at the, as a lead pastor here uh, at our church, um, I want you to know that we say this thing, love the family, uh, change the world. It's not just a thing that we say. Um, it's just something that Chandra and I have tried to do for as long as we have been together, as long as we've done ministry, uh, just defined who we are and what we do. And that's the reason for this little bit of background. I want you to know where I'm coming from, where Chandra's coming from. Um, I don't know if I mentioned yet that when I went to Bible college in Seattle, uh, my major was youth ministry. I majored in youth ministry. I minored in biblical studies. Uh, man, I was fiercely devoted to my church there. I went to this church uh, in a suburb of Seattle. We called it the east side, so east side of the lake, of Lake Washington. Uh, it's called Bellevue Neighborhood Church. Uh, my pastor was this guy named Daryl Elliott who just loved on me, mentored me, let me live with him my last summer there uh, while I prepared to just do whatever God had for me next. Um, and I was just devoted to that church, Bellevue Neighborhood Church. And one of my friends, actually, Eric, who's a little younger than me, he pastors that church now. Um, Chandra went to the same college, Northwest. It was called Northwest College then. It's called Northwest University now. She went to the same college. We graduated on the same day. 
she was at her church just as often as she could be. Every single time, doors are open, similar to how I was. Her church was called Cedar Park Assembly. That was also kind of on the east side in this town called Bothell. She was super involved in Bible quiz and, uh, you know, all those sorts of things. We graduated on the same day from the same school, Northwest University, but we did not know each other. Uh, we'd met one time, did not go well, and I'll just leave it at that. It's a story for another time. <laughs> I moved back to Nampa, though. I, like I said, I spent the summer living at my pastor, Pastor Daryl's church, or at, at his house, which is on the church property, this parsonage. And a man, he was good to me. Just stayed up late, talking with me, helping me prepare for whatever it was the Lord had for me. I did odd jobs around the church. Um, I cut down weeds. Um, you know, if the alarm went off in the middle of the night, he'd send me over to go make sure no one weird was in there. I mean, I just did all that stuff, lived in his house. Um, Eventually, I moved back to Nampa to be a youth intern at this church called Christian Faith Center. Uh, they paid me a small stipend, and I really felt called the Treasure Valley, so it was a way to get back here. I eventually became the youth pastor there after about six months. And Chandra, of course, I hadn't met her yet. She had committed two years as an unpaid intern to a church up there called Christ Memorial, and she just went there and helped the church go, helped the youth ministry go. Um, she was like the info girl for camp, I think she called it. She ran this small group for junior hires. And once we started to date, I went up there and visited her, and this small group was called Supernova, and that's kind of what it felt like with that many junior hires just being crazy all the time. Um, and eventually, we actually met. I was a youth pastor at this church called Christian Faith Center in Nampa, and her dad worked at the church, and her sister was in my youth group. And uh, we were having this Christmas party, and she had come with her sister, and I didn't know her, and I saw her from the back, thought she was a new teenager. So I walked over, introduced myself, found out, oh, this is not a teenager. And what was really our first day to start it out is getting together to talk about youth ministry. That was what we couched it as. Um, she thinks that I like couched it as that and I think she did it, but either way, we went, we talked it out back for a long time, talked about youth ministry. She eventually moved here and we got married. Our first ministry together was as a youth pastor at that church, Christian Faith Center, where I started. Um, I still run into and talk with students from that youth ministry all the time. They message me online or I see them around. And um, I spent six years there. We spent six years there ultimately. And I, the last two or three, she was with me there. As many of you know, she's not here today. She lives in Twin, but we adopted a teenage girl. Uh, her name is Christina. We adopted her out of that youth ministry as we transitioned to the, to the church in Kenya that we were at before this. Uh, she was 13 when she came to live with us. She got saved in our youth group out of a crazy situation. There's a lot of kids in crazy situations. Um, she came with us to CUNA. Uh, my title in CUNA was worship slash associate. And I was the first full-time staff member they had ever had there besides the lead pastor. And, but what worship slash associate meant, really, at least at first, was everything that Pastor Stan did not want to do or could not do. And I, man, that's what it was. Uh, we had this part-time youth pastor at that church that had decided to move on. Um, and the plan, when Pastor Stan hired me, he was adamant, your only job's gonna be worship. And, you know, we knew that wasn't super realistic, but that was the main thing he wanted me to do. And uh, when the youth ministry didn't have anybody, uh, I talked, I kind of talked Pastor Stan in, into letting me do it. The youth ministry, by that point, didn't really exist in much capacity. So I talked Pastor Stan into letting me do it. Um, and I restarted the youth ministry there, while Shauna did the same thing with the kids' ministry. Um, and that's actually where I met both Pastor Chase and Hannah. Chase at the time uh, didn't go to the church there, but uh, he came sometimes. And he was just Chase, the college kid with the floppy hair. We both had a lot more hair then, right? <laughs> that was like 15 years ago. 
Um, Hannah was in youth group. She was just sweet and quiet, Hannah, and she loved keeping things organized. And we had this after-school program called The Zone that I also restarted. And what it was for was for kids in CUNA that had nowhere to be after school. is a small town, but still lots of kids that roam around uh, after school's over. So we restarted this after-school program and just, it was four kids who had no place to go, whose parents worked or parents were doing other stuff or whatever. And uh, man, in that time, we'd have 50, 75, 100 kids at that thing after school, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And my wife, Chandra, like I told you, she ran a, a group for junior highs called Supernova. And uh, she was drawn towards these fourth, fifth, and sixth grade girls. So she started a classroom on Wednesday nights. And our deal was with these zone kids, because um, they would come after school. A lot of times they'd come at like 1 o'clock, 1.30 when school got out. And uh, they would come and they would, our deal was you could stay after 5.30 as long as you came to church at 7. So occasionally we'd get these kids that came 1.30 or 2 and they stayed all the way till 8.30 or 9. So we kicked them out or gave them a ride home. And my wife loved these fourth and sixth grade girls. That's the age that I tend to just go the other way as fast as possible. But she started this classroom on Wednesday nights and she would get the girls to come from the zone uh, to church and she would teach them like cooking and hygiene and all the other stuff girls need to know at that age. I don't know. During our 12 years at that church, man, I gave as much time to college kids, college ministry as I could. Just about every year up until uh, COVID started canceling them, I would go lead worship at what they called their fall retreat for Idaho, Montana, and Utah. Um, well, I would just load a bunch of gear up in a trailer and we drive to wherever it was. Sometimes it was like in uh, Sun Valley. Sometimes it was over by Yellowstone. A couple of times it was cleared down by Park City in Utah. Played at, I've led, helped with multiple events down here at Boise State. And the reason for telling you all this is that you understand um, that figuring out how to minister to teenagers and college students is something that's deep in our hearts. Man, as soon as I started ministry 18 years ago, it's what I started doing. It's what I did the whole time at Kena, even though the definition of my job was something else. And it's still in there. Um, even at 43, uh, that hasn't changed. You're going to find my wife and I uh, at summer camp every year we can possibly make it happen. Um, I haven't missed one, uh, I don't think, since I started here. She's missed a couple with, with babies and things. But uh, we're going to get there. And we're going to drag kids there um, because youth ministry, college ministry, man, something that's deep in our hearts. Um, we both graduated from college in 2003. And young people, they've just been right in the middle of everything we do, everything we are ever since then. Now, I don't need to tell you how different the world is for young people now than it's ever been. Even when I was a youth pastor, 2003 to 2009, man, the world is radically different than it was then. It's insane. Now, the world, though, has always been the world. We were just talking to our boys about this the other day. Um, danger and addiction and immorality, terrible stuff, all of it has always been there. But it's more available, it's easier to find than it has ever been. And there are more people with bad intentions out there that are out there to get our kids. And it's easier than it's ever been for a student to see or hear something that they aren't mature enough for, they aren't ready to hear. And also, I found in many cases, uh, kids are maturing slower than they ever have. Um, decisions that kids used to make at 15 or 16, you talk to some of our people who've lived a lot of life in here, man, they were full-fledged adults by the time they were 15, 16. And now kids aren't making those decisions until they're 20 or 21 or 25. And for that reason, uh, we as the church, we have to be ready to reach our students where they are. 
Because of where our church is physically located, we are uniquely positioned to reach students. 1.8 miles uh, from Boise State, Timberlands around the corner, multiple junior high schools. We have students of every age close by here pretty much all the time. And that's the reason for hiring someone uh, like Pastor Chase and Hannah. They're going to be here full time. Chase will be here at 9 a.m. tomorrow, I'm sure. Um, so before I go too much farther, I want to give you just a few minutes to hear from Pastor Chase. So would you give him a big hand this morning as he comes? The mic's on the front there. He's going to sit over here. I'm going to interview him just like it's a game show or something. I don't know. No prizes that I know of, at least. Um, so, hi, this is Pastor Chase, uh, one of my good friends. I've known him. Yeah, everyone say hi. Hi, there you go. Um, so, uh, Chase, first thing, tell us about you. Tell us about your family. Yeah, awesome. Uh, my name is Chase. Uh, I have uh, grown up here in Boise. Uh, born and raised here. My wife uh, is also an Idaho native, so we're one of those rare actual Idaho native people, um, and we love uh, being here. As I said, I grew up uh, in Boise, went to Capitol High School, uh, went to Boise State, had a uh, academic scholarship to Boise State, and uh, was involved with the Chi Alpha uh, campus ministry there and stuff while I was there. It was tons of fun, um, and as John kind of shared a little bit of the story, uh, I grew up going to uh, Meridian Assembly, and after high school, I knew I was uh, called to do youth ministry, and I got connected at the church uh, out there in CUNA, started playing bass with Pastor John, um, and Hannah and I, uh, we met each other there. She was actually a student in the youth group at the time, uh, and uh, after time, we dated and got married, and we've been married for eight years now. Uh, we have a three-and-a-half-year-old son. Uh, he's the crazy kid over there. He was running around like a madman this morning, and now he's wiped out. So um, we uh, currently live in CUNA, uh, and we love being in the Treasure Valley. Uh, we love the outdoors and uh, doing things. I actually, this last week, uh, I spent the last week chasing elk around on the mountains. Uh, I did a lot of chasing, and that was kind of it. So that's all right, though. It was a lot of fun uh, being up there. Um, I, uh, as I said, I went to Boise State, so I'm a big Boise State fan. It's kind of in the family. My dad and mom both went there. All of my siblings went there. My dad's actually a part of the uh, Academic Hall of Fame at Boise State, so, uh, which is kind of a cool thing. I am not a part of the Academic Hall of Fame, though. <laughs> so um, that's kind of real quick who we are, I guess. Yeah, Chase did really well in college, actually. Don't let him, don't let him sell himself short. Uh, yeah, so when he was my intern for a little while, uh, I was in CUNA, and he, they lived over here in Boise, and uh, I just, I would drive over here, whatever his class schedule was, and we would just meet together and uh, talk about stuff. And, um, so yeah, that's a little bit of their family. Tell us, uh, Chase, about ministry so far for you, and specifically, you know, what is about teenagers that makes you want to devote every day, and college kids and all that stuff? <laughs> yeah. Um, so as I said, uh, Felt called to ministry. Um, it was actually at a summer camp in, I think it was 2007. Uh, felt really clearly that I was called to do ministry. Uh, and um, it's amazing how God works things out. Uh, I didn't know this is where I would be or how I would get here, but I just knew God had something put on my heart and I was going to be faithful to respond to what he had to say. So uh, it was amazing that God opened some doors for me to go and help out in CUNA. And as John said, I interned with him for a couple of years. He taught me uh, all about doing youth ministry, and I learned so much. And then took over the youth ministry, did that for the next 10 years. So we spent 12 years at the church. 
um, doing youth ministry. And uh, I love doing youth ministry because I think that it's a time of life when uh, so much is changing in someone's life and it's an opportunity to make a huge impact. Uh, as also helping run the zone, uh, John started up the zone and I helped him out uh, and eventually took over running the zone. Uh, and that was some of the most fun, crazy ministry time that I've ever been a part of. Uh, I got to spend a lot of time with a few specific kids. The few kids I got to spend a lot of time with were the ones that were always in trouble. Uh, and they were my favorite kids to be around. So uh, I love getting to minister to students that um, are going through hard things in life. I know that a lot of students, uh, they can put on a good mask and seem like life is good, but things at home aren't always great. And so getting to be a place uh, where there can be a second family where people feel loved and like there's some kind of solid foundation where kids can come and know that they're gonna be cared for and taken care of, uh, that's really my heart. And so uh, doing the zone in youth, uh, my passion has always been just sharing with teenagers about who Jesus is and what Jesus can do in their lives uh, and love taking them to things like summer camp, uh, conference. We do a retreat up my parents' cabin. My parents and my family, we built a cabin. And when I say built, we literally stacked the logs um, on the cabin. We take a group of kids up there a couple times during the summer every year, and it's a ton of fun. We haven't burned the cabin down yet, so that's always a good thing. And we'll be taking everyone, taking the kids to summer camp this year, getting them involved in all that stuff, uh, because my life was changed because of doing things like that. And I love providing opportunities where teenagers can have that experience. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah, you'll get to hear lots, lots about that from him. So last question, what is it draws you to this church this time? And um, yeah, where do, you, where do you feel like God has you doing right now? Yeah, uh, as I said, when I felt called to do ministry, uh, kind of the thing that I said from the beginning is, all right, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Uh, and uh, I was so fortunate to get to do uh, ministry with Pastor John for such a long time. Uh, he shared some of those stories about um, going and playing at those Chi Alpha uh, college retreats. Uh, I went with John on just about all of those, and we have some crazy, crazy stories. Uh, there was a stretch there for five or six years where there was wild things like flat tires, uh, exploded transmissions, uh, people throwing up on the back of my head, all sorts of craziness. Um, Most of that was your fault. You were the common denominator. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was at all of those things. Uh, so we got to spend a lot of time together um, doing all of that stuff together, doing ministry together. And so when John approached me and said, hey, this isn't what I was planning, but we have this opportunity. Would you be interested in coming and being a part of what we're doing at Engage? Uh, initially, I didn't want to leave because Hannah, I love the church family. It changed life. Uh, Hannah actually had been going to that church for longer than Pastor Stan. They just celebrated 25 years uh, this last month, which is an amazing thing. And she had grown up there. And I'd spent the last 12 years there, but we prayed about it and felt like God was really calling us to come and serve in Boise. Uh, and so we said, all right, God, we're going to be faithful and do what you've called us to do. Uh, and so we're really excited to be helping out with youth and young adults here. Uh, and that's our passion. And so that's why we're here. Awesome. Thank you. Would you give Pastor Chase a big hand as he goes? Chase, will you help me with these tools really quick? Chase, help me with these guys. Sass, stick those over in the corner for me. Didn't really plan that part out very well on my part. So excited, uh, man, to have them here. At the conclusion of service today, we're going to pray over them as a church body together. 
just kind of commission them. But I want to take a few minutes today. You saw this out on the sign and talk with you about why I love young people. One thing I've seen at our church from the very, very beginning are a whole bunch of people that no matter their age, they are young at heart. Sometimes the older folks can get a bad rap, uh, but at this church, we have a whole bunch of people who are young at heart. What I mean is that even though we have some people who are, might be advanced as far as the number of years they have been on this earth, we don't have very many that let their age stop them from doing whatever it is they want to do. And that speaks to me because I am wired to just wring as much out of my human body as I possibly can. And almost to a person, uh, something I've heard over and over, almost unanimously from all of you, is that your hope is that our church will be full of young people. I talked for about 10 minutes earlier this year uh, on a Wednesday night about why I love teenagers. Um, this is an expanded version of that. So if you hear that night, uh, you might hear a thought or two that's repeated, but it's expanded versions of those. And I'm saying young people because instead of teenagers, because part of Pastor Chase's job description, part of what we want to do as a church is reach college students. To be honest with you, the Assemblies of God, which is the denomination we're a part of, there's 10 or so churches in the Valley that are AG. Um, none of them really have ever done a good job at reaching college students. Um, it's not an easy thing to do. Most of them have a disadvantage in that they're located kind of far from Boise State. We don't have that disadvantage. Um, truthfully, though, the, the church as a whole, the big C church, has not done a great job at really reaching and really pastoring college students. And we don't know exactly how the college ministry part will look because there's not much of a template. There's not, like you just go copy this church is doing it really well because they're not really out there. But by God's grace, we're going to figure it out. We'll try some stuff, and if it works, it works, and if not, we'll do something else. Um, so as we go through these few reasons this morning about why I and why we as Engage Boise, we love young people, understand it includes college students as well. I said one of the reasons that we love young people and Engage Boise is that Jesus loved young people. And of course, he still does. It's not loved past tense. He still does. But I'm talking uh, about when he was on earth. We've been talking lately on Sundays about the habits of Jesus, right? Essentially the way Jesus lived while he was on earth. During his earthly ministry, Jesus made a point of letting the people around him know that kids are valuable, young people are valuable. I touched on this back in August as we started school, but it really bears repeating because the reason that young people are important here at our church starts with this. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me, Matthew 19, uh, 13 and 14. I'm reading to you out of the NLT today, actually, so I love the way it puts it. it. says this, One day, some parents brought their children so Jesus to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. I want us to notice a couple of things about Jesus' interaction with these kids and with the parents. The first thing we need to notice is that the parents brought the children. The parents brought the children to Jesus. And you know these parents, they probably were just like you and me, if you're a parent or a grandparent or you've parented kids. Um, you know, there was no internet, there was no info, uh, information, did not travel in the same way that it, that it does now, but it, it did travel. But those parents of those kids, they were probably seeing uh, the same thing 
that we see now, which is that the world is a crazy and a scary place. We want to protect our kids from it. And faced with that reality, the best thing they could think of to do was bring their kids to where Jesus was. They'd heard about this guy, Jesus. They'd heard he was changing lives and he was healing. And they're like, man, I got to get my kids in front of that guy. They're saying what a lot of you have probably said, what I have said. Man, I might not know much, but I want Jesus to lay his hands on my kids. I don't know what I'm doing half the time, but I want them to be where Jesus is. The parents brought their children. Of course, parents, they can't bring their kids to have the physical Jesus pray over them uh, like they could when Jesus was on earth in that that three-year time period there. But they bring them to church all the time, and we, as God's church, we must be ready as God's church to be a place where Jesus is found. This has to be a place where a kid of any age any button really, but especially kids, they can, they can find Jesus. A place where a teenager or a college student, they can come and they can encounter the living God. Critically, this has to be a place where they can be ministered to in a way that is relevant to the stage of life that they're in. And when someone brings a young child here, and we've talked about this a little bit over the past uh, you know, year or so. When someone brings a young child here, we must be ready to love on them. Uh, teach them Bible verses and stories that will define their lives as they get older. And Pastor Chase, uh, he touched on the zone that we had for a little while. And uh, when you run the thing like the zone, uh, most of those kids were not from church and you spent a lot of time in what we call the penalty box. And that was a nicer name for timeout. So we would send kids to the penalty box, right? And then we would go sit there by them, talk to them about their life, relay what Jesus was about. But when someone brings a young child here, we must be ready to love on them. We've spent a ton of time and resources since we got here trying to make this happen since we got here. And the reason is uh, we must love kids because Jesus loves young kids. When someone brings their junior high or their middle school student to church, Man, they bring those kids and they know that the clock is ticking because they know at any moment that junior higher or middle schooler, they're gonna become a full-fledged teenager and then it's gonna get crazy. Someone brings a kid like that here. Maybe it already happened. Maybe it happened more quickly than they thought. They've got a sixth or a seventh grader and they became a teenager overnight and they're like, what do I do next? We have to be ready to help those students make sense of everything that they are feeling. Many of you probably remember that time of your life well. We gotta be ready to help them make sense of everything that they're feeling. Love them through those changes that seem to be happening to them at light speed. We have to love middle schoolers because Jesus loved middle schoolers and junior highers. And when someone brings their high school student to our church, I know I've been around high schoolers, you've been around high schoolers, they can be know-it-all sometimes. But when someone brings their high schooler to our church, uh, knowing that their kids are facing an avalanche of information and opinion at every turn. Even if they don't even have a phone, they just go to school, be around people that are unbelievers. They're gonna hear stuff that never in a million years did we imagine they'd hear. We must be ready as God's church to show them a biblical worldview. It's our job, friends, as adults who know Jesus to show them a biblical worldview. We have to allow them the chance to, to learn it and to live it right alongside of us. We must love high schoolers because Jesus loves high schoolers. You know, when a parent 
sends their student to Boise State. This is what you often do, right? You send a student off to college, and then what you do is you get on google.com and you Google churches close to Boise State because you want your kid to go to church. So the parent does that, and then they call or message us. We have to be prepared to walk with students as they navigate their first days and weeks and months away from home. We have to help them answer those big questions as they're challenged on a public university campus. And in many cases, we have to be ready to walk alongside them as they truly begin to make their faith their own for the first time. Away from the influence of their parents, away from the influence of their home church. And we must love college students because Jesus loves college students. I believe when it says that um, the children come to me, it's talking about all kids. And I would just say today, uh, well, one thing I want to quickly point out is how the guys that were supposed to know Jesus the best, how they reacted when the parents showed up with their kids. Right? If they knew Jesus the best, uh, they would have said, oh man, we're so glad you were here. Have them sit around his feet. No, look, look at what they said here. Uh, but the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. Now I would just say today, let it be said of us that when a teenager or a college student comes to this place, let it never be said of us that we've got more important things to do. In fact, when it comes to college students, specifically as a college kid away from home, I went to a Christian university. I was plugged into a church. And still, there was absolutely nothing better when a family from church would include me in their lunch plans, take me, buy me some pizza after church. It's the best thing. In church, I believe that God's word to us is that our heart would match what Jesus says. Let the children come. Let the, the kids and the middle schoolers and the teenagers and the college students, let them come. You see, we love young people because Jesus himself loved young people. Another reason we love young people is because, number two, young people will try anything. Young people will try anything. You know, as we get older, uh, and I'm saying we as I'm just progressively getting older, it's a thing that happens and you can't stop it. I have certainly learned this, even my relatively young age. I'm 43 years old. But I think all of you can probably attest to this. We get more and more hesitant to try new or uncomfortable things the older we get. Now, I'm not saying we don't have good reasons. Have you ever seen those trampoline parks? Fly high, urban air, any of those things? Man, those things look awesome. If you ever see them, I mean, there's like a 12-foot basketball hoop, and you can bounce on the trampoline and dunk it. And there's these walls you can like run up, you can do flips into pits, and you can do all this stuff. When I was a little younger, I did participate in those. And these days, when I go and I see one of those things, a lot of times after student conference, they'll go and they'll rent out one of those places. I go and I find myself counting the cost. You know, I've tried the ball pit. I've tried the basketball hoop. I've tried the things you flip off of, and they've always got a new attraction. But I find myself counting the cost. Is it worth it? Is it really worth it to what my back is going to feel like in the morning if I go and I try that? It's not that our interest is not peaked. It's not that uh, new things don't interest us. It's just that we don't know if it's worth the risk. And for things that matter more than that, more than a trampoline park, a new skill or a new hobby or a new calling, the simple truth is that our time is taken up by other things. The older you get, busier you get, your time's taken up by other things. I just spent 
So we alluded to 12 years, uh, that church in CUNA, and I, my full-time job was leading worship there. And I did other stuff. But uh, when I got there, one of my goals was I wanted to learn to play piano. Now, I got into music really late in my life, not until I was in college. And I went straight to playing bass. Never, a lot of kids, when they get into music, they start with piano if their parents are smart. When it comes to music, that's where they start them. And uh, all I wanted to do was play sports, so I didn't do that when I was a kid. Uh, but I got into playing bass, and I went to guitar, and I never touched a piano. And when we got there, I was like, man, I want to learn to play piano. It's my full-time job. I want to know more music theory than I know. And I decided I wanted to do it. You know how many notes of piano I played? Zero. It wasn't because I didn't want to. It wasn't because I wasn't interested in it. I just, I didn't have the time. I didn't make the time for it. I didn't make it a priority right. It was a new thing, and it interested me so much. But I can tell you, very, I can, I can come up with cool sounds on a piano, but I can't play you anything on a piano. The simple truth is that we get older, we have kids, our jobs maybe get more demanding and more important. Our time is taken up by other things. But take a moment right now, all of you, and think about the things that you spend your time on today, the things you spend your time doing every single day. Or if you are older, uh, maybe what it is that has defined your life up to this point. Chances are the seeds of what you do all day long, every day, were planted when you were 25 or under. 25 or under. Not ironclad 100%, but chances are whatever you do, the seeds were planted when you were young. I can tell you that I slot my arm the same way when I throw a ball that I did when I was 10. Because when I was 10, I pitched. And I could kind of throw like three quarters, and I could throw pretty hard, and I could throw accurate. And I got to pitch a lot if I could throw strikes and throw kind of hard. I slot my arm the exact same way. Not exactly like an infielder, but not necessarily overhand either. I learned that when I was 10, and I still do that. Like I said, I didn't learn to play an instrument until I was 22. When someone handed me a bass, they made me a diagram. But I put my thumb behind the neck, and I put my thumb on the pickup, and I put the strap the same length exactly like I did when I was 22. What I spend my every day doing right now, hopefully until I don't work anymore, pastoring this church, it comes from a call to ministry that God planted in my heart when I was 15 years old. From helping a youth group as soon as I was old enough, man, God put a thing inside of me that I was to be a part of helping his church happen. Not saying that it's impossible to learn anything new, because that's not true. We've got a pretty good group of seniors here who are living proof that... uh, You know, it's not true that it's impossible to learn new stuff. But you see, young people and teenagers and college students, I believe they'll often try anything because they haven't learned yet to be afraid to fail. They haven't learned yet to be afraid to fail. Maybe it's because they haven't experienced much criticism yet. Or maybe they just don't even care if they get criticism. (laughs) I think it's one or the other usually. Maybe it's because when they're young, they just intrinsically know that inside of them, they have the time to try something else if it doesn't work out. Yeah, sure, I'll take piano lessons. I'm terrible, terrible at it. I got time to go try something else. For whatever reason, as adults, we often fear the consequences of something if it doesn't work out. I mean, young people often don't. We often fear, man, what if I waste my precious time on this and then I'm no good at it? Um, but for us, since we had uh, little kids, uh, we try to put them to bed at nine. And that time between nine and midnight, that becomes the time when we can do other stuff. 
because the rest of the day is taken up by either work or taking care of them. I mean, I'm not going to waste my precious two hours between, you know, whatever time they actually go to bed and when we go to bed. I'm not going to waste that precious time on something that's not worth it. But a teenager, a college student, man, they will often, they'll just go for it. And friends, I believe that God's heart for the church, not just our church, but the Big C Church, but God's heart for us is that this church would be a place where no young person has to be afraid to fail. I believe that there's a scripture that should define our personal lives, it should define our church, and one that if, it, if it's given space to thrive, young people, they seem to fulfill it so well. It's Colossians uh, 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Now, when it comes to students, middle schoolers, teenagers, college kids, we must be a place where they can find, develop the gifts that God has given them. And whether they try something new and they are amazing at it or not, it actually doesn't really matter because impressing humans is not the goal. They're simply learning to use uh, the gifts that God put in them, learning from adults that maybe have that same gift and have already spent a lifetime honing it. Maybe they're actually even learning simply what is best left to other people because they might be interested, but God has not given them a gift. And for sure, no matter what, in all of that, learning there is a higher purpose than what the world tells them there is. Because what our students need to know, friends, is there is a higher purpose than what Instagram and TikTok and their school classmates tell them. Man, I'm so blessed that my parents took me to a church that made a place for young people. I went to this church growing up called Central Assembly. If you're familiar with the book, uh, Angels on Assignment and Roland Buck, who wrote that book, his son, Ted, pastored the church, still pastors it. Uh, my dad was on the board there and it was a similar deal. There, every time the doors are open, there was a Christian school there and I went to that Christian school. My dad's office was a mile down the street. So often after school, we'd walk down there and walk back. I'm so blessed that my parents took me to a church that made a place for young, for young people. You know, I learned to shoot three-pointers in the church gym. Waiting for my mom or my dad to get us some boring long meeting that I wish we'd get over so we could go home. <laughs> but I learned, I learned to shoot three-pointers. I learned to shoot left-handed layups in the church gym. Like I said, God put a call to ministry all my life at 15 because I went to church winter camp because we had this youth pastor named Terry Andrews and he runs a camp in, uh, uh, in Spokane area now. Um, but we did these winter camps and I think it was even a, a district winter camp. I don't really remember, but uh, I only went uh, because my girlfriend had gone who I didn't end up marrying. And thank the Lord for that. It's all the way it should be. But so I only went because she had gone um, and because my youth pastor, Terry, he had really leaned on me to go. Um, I actually had, I think, a basketball game, and I had to go to the game. My dad took me up late to the thing, and, and uh, there was a service that I was just happened to be at. I was a believer. I would have gone to heaven if I died at that moment, but God got a hold of my life that day because my parents took me to, church that made a, place, took me to a church that made a place for young people. I learned to play bass. Uh, another thing that defines my life in the church sanctuary in college in Seattle Again, at a church that placed a priority on young people. They had this youth pastor named Alan Neeler. He was actually gone by this time, but uh, man, he made it a place where young people were welcome. You know, also when I was in junior high and high school, I also acted in a couple of like skits, human videos and dramas. Turned out I was awful at it. 
I'm so glad I tried it then. Someone was kind of to say, yeah, this might not be your thing. Maybe you should go run sound. <laughs> this must be the place, friends, where students can come and, and they can try and learn an instrument. Now, Nico's not in here, but if you've seen Nico around pounding his, uh, his cajon, it's awesome and you're probably gonna hear it a lot more. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> This must be a place where a student can come and they can sit in front of an audio mixer uh, and see if it makes sense to them. Where they can come and they can help teach a kid's class. They can come and see if they're the kind of person like my wife is who's just made to talk to new people all the time. That is uh, something I have to work at. Or maybe they're more at home teaching a small group. All those types of gifts define what we end up being. And we gotta make a place where students can come find, exercise those gifts. I love young people because they'll try anything. Man, I love young people because it is such a blessing to see a student discover something that God absolutely made them to do. And when a student discovers or a kid discovers something that God made them to do, have you, have you seen this? They learn it and they develop it at this speed that us adults just barely remember, right? When we're young and we discover a gift that God put in us, man, it comes to you fast. And I love young people because it's such a blessing to see that happen within the context of the church. I love young people because it's an honor to see them realize how important it is to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself. So easy in our life with the screen we put in front of us all the time to be focused on our four walls or whatever metaphor you wanna use and forget about everything that goes on outside but it's so important for us to realize how important it is to be a part of something bigger than ourselves and bring teenagers, college students along on the journey and to do it in the context of the church because this can be a safe place where they're loved on. And we love young people, because, people at this church because of that last line of verse 14 of Matthew 19. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. The kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like those children. I wanna have that heart as best I can. The way to do that is have as many of them as here as possible. Leads me to my final point this morning. We love young people because number three, young people are reflections of who we are. Young people, middle schoolers, well kids, middle schoolers, high schoolers, college students, they are direct reflections of who we are. I think it's true that if you look at the children that, attach, that are attached to a community or a church or a family, those teenagers and those college students, they are a direct result of those adults they are around. I mention this type of thing a lot, but my son, John, uh, he's the one who loves sports. And uh, my wife said it yesterday and I kind of caught him doing the same thing. Like he wears, he likes to wear hooded sweatshirts. He likes to stand there with both hands in the pockets and kind of hunch his shoulders exactly like I do. He does that because he's a direct reflection of who he's around all the time. And you know the really interesting thing about reflections is the reflection itself can't do anything to change. Right, you go look in a mirror and there's nothing that that reflection can do to change itself. It's the result of something else entirely that's completely out of his control. And the question that we have to ask ourselves on a regular basis as God's church, engage Boise and everywhere else, we have to ask ourselves, is the love of Jesus reflecting off of us and on to the young people that we come in contact with? 
is the love of Jesus reflecting off of me enough that the young people that I come in contact with me, that they look like Jesus? Now you might be sitting there hearing me talk glowingly about teenagers and college students and thinking to yourself, dude, I don't know what planet you have been on, but I do not see it. (laughs) It's not fun. It's not entertaining. I get argued with every time I say anything. Yeah, we've totally been there. Like I said, we we, uh, raised a teenager. And it was a unique situation because we adopted her out of a hard situation and we were trying to teach her stuff at light speed. But you might be thinking, man, I don't see it. They argue, they don't listen. Uh, I mentioned a little while ago how I was a youth pastor for six years and our last year uh, at Christian Faith Center, God did a really cool thing, brought a lot of kids. Christina got saved as part of an outreach that we did. Um, We'd have anywhere from 130 to 150 kids every single week on Thursday nights. And uh, it was mostly kids from the community. When I say not church kids, I mean like the naughtest church kids you can possibly imagine. I mean, every bad situation, every off-color joke, every piece of clothing that's inappropriate, I mean, all of it. And I get up there, right, with these 130, 140, 150 teenagers, and I would preach a message out of the Bible. And especially that last year, I mean, all these kids came, and we did a human video, and we had pizza, we had video games, and dozens of them raised their hands and, and said a salvation prayer. And then they'd come the next week and they would act exactly the same as they had before. Now I'd get up there and I'd preach to 130 teenagers thinking, Lord, just help me make it through this with nothing happening that gets me fired. <laughs> now I did that week after week after week after week and our last Sunday or went, Thursday there was 135 kids. And uh, we knew like there was big numbers and it felt cool and all that stuff. And it was a big crowd and it was loud and crazy. But it's easy to wonder if you really made a difference when you're not sure if they're listening. But I can tell you what, over and over, over the past 20 years, I run into kids and they'll point out a specific message I preached or a specific human video we did or a specific thing I said to them or a specific time I gave them a ride home. And it turns out they were listening. Now you might be thinking like I did for a long time, man, as soon as a kid turns 12, they stop listening to anything I say. Well, I'm going to tell you a secret this morning. And sorry, teenagers, I'm just going to give away one of your secrets. In most cases, that's just what they want you to think. The reality is that your teenagers, the ones that show up in this place, their heart is soft and it's tender towards your direction. And it's soft and tender towards the things of God. Most of the time, especially now, they feel like they've got to put on this tough exterior to survive growing up in 2022. But when it comes to the people that love them, and that's us in this church, they're attentive to almost every word you ever have to say. They might act like they are not. In fact, they might actively try and prove they're not. Um, But it's not the truth. You must know today, friends, that it's our job as a church to let our students know that what the world says about them is not all there is to know. In fact, there's way more to know, and the best stuff is the stuff the world will never tell them. Yeah, you know what? As older people, as 43, 53, 63, and on and on, we may have a hard time learning new things. You might not be able to get me on the trampoline thing, uh, you know, unless you pay me a large sum of money these days. 
But in 40 or 50 or 60 years serving God, it's also likely taught us how deep and how wide the love and forgiveness of God is. And we must let students know that God loves them and is not mad at them. That is so important that we as God's people who have experienced his grace, we have to let them know he's not mad at them. That he loves them. His grace is deep and wide uh, as far as the east is from the west. We have to let our students know that there's forgiveness for even our deepest and our darkest sins. The stuff that we would never dare to vocalize to our parents, maybe even our pastor, there's forgiveness for those things. We have to be, as God's church, we have to be willing and ready to teach kids that there is a right and a wrong way to live. Right, there's a a right and a wrong way to live and it's contained in the word of God and it is our job to teach that to students. It's our job to let students know that in this life, there will be trouble. But that suffering, right? It says in Romans, suffering brings perseverance. Perseverance brings character. What does character bring? Character brings hope. And I'm here to tell you, friends, that if we don't let them know, uh, no one else is going to. There's one thing that we have to keep in mind. I think I've said this at least a little bit before. And that is that young people, they can see through adults who are fake in like a nanosecond. If we're pretending to love them, if we don't really, they will see through it so fast. And for that reason, we uh, must be focused on being a place where the love of Jesus is found whenever the doors are open. Not that we've never done that before, but it's just something we have to continue to focus on. We have to be a place where there is patience and there is understanding for noise and for weird hair and loud music. I don't expect you to love it when kids come here and are noisy and uh, loud and they have weird colored hair or no hair or a lot of hair or whatever. Uh, But I do expect us as a church to love on them. Not that there isn't a place for order and respect because that's something we also have to teach them. That's something that our society is not teaching. Uh, Respect for your elders, that there is a right and a wrong way to live. That's our job to teach them according to what the word of God says. But here's the thing, the bottom line that if we're just pretending to tolerate them so they don't upset our apple cart, then they will see right through that. We gotta teach them to respect. Just like Marianne was talking to my boys earlier, we gotta teach them they can't run in the church when there's people around. but we got to make a place for them here. One of the wonderful things about this church uh, is that uh, even from our very early interviews uh, with Pastor Tim and Debbie when they're interviewing us along with the board, uh, that there is a heart for young people. Uh, you know, they asked us a bunch of questions, and one of the few questions I asked back at the board is, what is it that you want to see at this church? All of them said souls, and all of them said, I want to see young people here. See, I love young people because they're a reflection of who we are. My sons are a reflection of who I am. The students at this church are a reflection of who we are. And if that heart uh, that I see in you, that God has put in me, if it's evident, then we're gonna continue to see students that are a true reflection of the love of Jesus that's in each and every one of you. And commissioning Pastor Chase in hand today is just the next step in that heart for young people continuing to be made known at this church. Um, so grateful to have all of you along the journey. So grateful to bring 
uh, Pastor Chase and Hannah along and help them have them get to know you. Just uh, a wonderful and loving church. So the way we're going to end today, would all of you stand? Uh, Pastor Chase, Hannah, and James are going to make their way down here. I'm going to ask our board and our staff that are here, anyone else that feels that, would you make your way down? And uh, we're going to lay our hands on them. We're going to pray over them. And uh, here, James, I have something for you to keep you occupied until uh, we're done with the grown-up stuff here. Whoa. I heard you like monster trucks, so there's a shark monster truck. Come on over here, guys. So yeah, make your way down here, staff, board members, and, and church. Would you just stretch your hands uh, forward towards them? And uh, Jeremy, I'm going to give you a chance to pray first, and then I will pray. Okay? Put you on the spot. Would you stretch your hands forward? Let's pray over these guys today. Heavenly Father, God, we, we thank you so much for Pastor Chase and Hannah and James. And we thank you for bringing them here. Lord, we ask, God, that even now you would begin to just work in the spiritual world and open hearts. There are so many kids, so many teenagers, so many college students who could walk here. They don't even need a parent to bring them. God, we haven't been reaching them as much as we could. And Lord, I pray that you would make it possible for us to be able to begin to bring them in, to introduce them to you, to have fun with them, to prove that church isn't just a bunch of rules or you know stuffy pews and, and no fun, but God, that we would be able to have hearts that are open to love and to welcome and just to find the kids who are lonely, who are hurting, who are not sure what they're gonna do. Lord, I just, I, be, I pray that you would just begin right now to turn their hearts to, to make them feel the lack of you. And Lord, that, that you would give us creativity and ideas. Lord, that you would give Chase and Hannah a special anointing to be able to relate to kids that we don't know how to relate to. God, we know that you have good things in store and we pray that you would do a work here. In your name we pray, Lord. Yes, Lord, we just um, we come to you today as your church as Engage Boise. Um, as a place that's strategically placed right in the middle of your city, of probably uh, uh, the most unreached zip code um, in the whole city. Uh, we're so grateful for where you've placed us. And I just pray you would make our path straight. Lord, thanks for bringing Pastor Chase and Hannah here. Thanks for a rich history of ministry at this church. Lord, I pray that you would go before us and you would give us new dreams and new visions and new ideas. And as my wife prayed, Lord, for those students that, man, I would not have a prayer of relating to you. I pray you would give Jason and Hannah just the ability, the heart, the discernment, the wisdom to reach out to them, to love on them. Lord, I pray that uh, the heart of this church that I've seen beating from the moment we started uh, would just become evident. Uh, it would become brighter. Uh, the students would know this is a place where they can come and find you. Lord Jesus, no matter what they're going through, no matter what their home life is like, that they can come find you. Thank you that you've blessed us, Lord, and you've given us the resources, the place and the time and the ability to, um, to go after college students and, and teenagers. Lord, I pray that you would just bless. Uh, we commissioned Pastor Chase and Hannah in the mighty name of Jesus. She would give them direction. Lord, that you would uh, bring favor upon their ministry. Uh, Lord, you bring favor upon their family. Bind them together by the mighty name of Jesus. Let there be unity. I'll be with them. Uh, let safety just cover their entire house. Um, Lord, would you give them fruitful years, uh, many years of fruitful ministry here at this church. We pray these things in your mighty and your matchless name. Amen. Amen. Hey, church, thanks. Give them a big hand this morning. We're so excited that you're here. Hang on. I have gifts for you guys too. The kids aren't the only ones that get the gifts. Here you go. Hey, with that, you are dismissed to go. We're so grateful you came to church today.
uh, regular church Wednesday night. Remember uh, Christmas Sunday next week. Uh, I don't know where these guys will be, but grab them. Say hello on the way out. Give them a hug. Thank you all so much for coming.